Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Hello, America. Welcome. Have you got your Christmas shopping done? I would like to announce that mine, I think, is finally done. The program phone number, if you want to be on the show, 877-973-7425. If you want to be here, you can call me. If you text the word ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777, you can get the show notes, you can get the podcast live stream, but more importantly, you can get all the social media links. Even as I step away for some Christmas vacation, I'm sure I'll be on Instagram posting pictures and cooking and all of that good stuff. You can join along. Now, we got to get to the big story of the day. That story, of course, is inflation, 7.1%. Uh, there was an expectation that it might be higher than it is. Uh, right now, the markets uh, seemingly were, well, they were doing well a little while ago. I need to pull them up right now. Yep, the markets, they're they're trending a little, they're still pretty good. Uh, Dow is up 61 NASDAQ up 127, S&P 500 up 30. Uh, they're trending down some as people are cashing out with the markets going. But uh, the the numbers are still not great. The markets are excited because they're not as high as they were. And they're thinking the Federal Reserve might be clamping down soon on the interest rate increases, which for businesses would be a good thing. I want to play you two clips here by Rick Santelli at CNBC to kind of set the tone. Uh, first clip. So this is the most recent sticky aspect of CPI. It's now at 6%. So it's only six-tenths lower than two months ago, which was the high watermark for four decades. But indeed, they're coming down. And remember, I gave you all the high watermarks here. If you think back to last week's producer price index, Everything peaked in March, and the entire series started to move almost in unison. This isn't quite the same, but the moves in the pre-market, Joe, were spot on. Spot on. We've dropped now below 420 in a two-year. We're hovering at 343 in a 10, and Dow Futures zoom, zoom, zooming with their last prices right under 35,090, 35,000 now, here it goes. Looks like it's gonna challenge 35,100 and it's flying. Main reason, listen folks, inflation's too high. The Fed's nervous. They're gonna keep Aaron on the side of scaring you as to how aggressive they're going to be. However, if you just take the numbers on face value, you look at the trends and you consider the reasons why inflation was up. There's many reasons to hope it's gonna keep moderating the trick is it's going to moderate to levels that are still going to be much higher than pre-COVID. Yep. One more clip. Well, I think it's going to be cool. And the reason I think that is the markets are already moving, folks. If you look at two-year note yields, they already have started to drop. If you look at 10-year note yields, they've started to drop rather precipitously from 358, now 354. If you look at Dow Futures, they're hovering, but they keep trying to spike up a bit. And here we are at 830 Eastern, and the numbers are out. Up only one-tenth on headline, up one-tenth on headline. Remember, the high watermark here was in June of 22, a seven-year high at one point three if we look at x food and energy core also cooler than expected up two tenths high watermark here was in april of 21 at up 0.9 if we look at year over year up 7.1 two tenths cooler than 7.3 six tenths cooler than the rear view mirror at 7.7 and it's a full two percent 
under 9.1. That was in June. That was a 1981 comp. And finally, in my opinion, the area you're supposed to pay the most attention to, CPI, X Food and Energy Core, year over year, up 6%, expected to be up 6.1, rearview mirror 6.3, and prior to that was the 40-year high at 6.6 .6 in September. So what does all of this mean? All of those numbers, you, you're scrambling to keep up. Wait, what was where, what was what? The, the point of this is uh, there is a level of excitement in the markets. Markets and analysts expected inflation to be higher than it turned out to be. The spin, however, outside of the business news networks, the spin from Democratic politicians is that everything is as it should be. The problem is it's still too high. The Federal Reserve wants interest inflation around 2%. We're well over 6%. In fact, total inflation, 7.1%. That's not good. Your income is still not rising fast enough. Every time inflation is above 5%, every American continues to see a decline in their real take-home pay because inflation is outpacing pay. When inflation gets to 5%, most Americans will still see inflation outpacing their salaries and take-home pay, although some employees at some companies will start to have it neutralize. The problem is some companies are paying more than others to keep up with inflation, and none of them can keep up with inflation. This isn't good news. Why it's being taken as good news is because the trend line suggests it's starting to come down. But what the trend line is suggesting, as Rick Santelli pointed out on CNBC this morning, is we're still probably going to have inflation that's higher than what anybody wants, but lower than what it has been. The Fed wants 2%. We may not get there. And they're still going to be raising interest rates. And if they raise interest rates, we're going to have further problems, including an exacerbated recession. Not all of the data is good, though. And even that data is not that good. Vegetable prices have soared 40%. This is from Bloomberg News this morning. Prices for vegetables have almost doubled since last year after states that grow fresh produce for the U.S. winter saw water cuts and storms decimate supply. Vegetable prices saw a 38% jump in November from the prior month, according to the Labor Department's latest producer price index data. On a year-over-year -year basis, the surge was more than 80%. The figures come as food costs have been rising at unprecedented levels, cutting into consumer wallets as families recover from the global pandemic. Farmers in Arizona, which provide more than 90% of the U.S.'s leafy greens each November through March, have seen cuts to the amount of water they receive from the Colorado River. The U.S. has announced it will withhold about a fifth of the water the state's farmers get in 2023 as climate change and drought diminish the basin. California, the top ag state in the U.S., has faced drought this year that led to $3 billion worth of losses. And in Florida, which is the top U.S. supplier of fruits and vegetables in the fall and winter, they had a hurricane, had nearly $2 billion in damage. 
So vegetable prices are going up. And then, of course, to combat inflation, the Federal Reserve raises interest rates. There's a website called Car Dealership Guy, or it's, it's, a, um, it's a Twitter account, has a, a companion website, uh, Dealership Guy. And the owner of the account said, we just had an 820 credit score, get quoted 8% from Capital One and 10% from Ally for a car loan. I've never seen that before. 10% for a car loan. for a car loan. You can't really economically, feasibly be buying cars with a 10% loan, and yet some people are going to have to. That's not a good sign. And if interest rates go up further, and by the way, they are going to go up further, the Federal Reserve suggests they're going to go up another half percentage point, 500 basis points. If not three quarters, probably a half a percent. That's going to cause more economic turmoil. That's going to cause a recession. And the recession will slow everything down, and that will be good because it will end inflation. But it will be painful, and it will be coming probably middle of next year. Joe Biden's team says the economy is still good. Everything is rolling along. Uh, We don't have much to worry about, except, you know, you, you do. I go back to the Archduke Ferdinand. Y'all remember the Archduke Ferdinand, I presume. His assassination set off World War I. It was a series of cascading events from that assassination that ultimately led to World War I. The war to end all wars, except it didn't, and really World War II was just the sequel to World War I. World War II built on the problems World War I left behind unresolved. World War I broke out because this guy and his wife were killed. And it turns out that all these countries had all sorts of alliances behind the scenes, all sorts of treaties with each other that caused a cascading series of events until there was war. It was that precipitating event. We can't see the precipitating events on the horizon for the bad things to come. People perceive the bad things are to come. The Pope apparently was given some homily or some such in the last 24 hours where he was telling people, brace for worse. There's a real optimistic message right there. (laughs) Christmas is coming, brace for worse. Two in five Americans believe we're in the end times. Tomorrow, after everybody gets word of what the Pope says, it's gonna be four out of five believe the end times. You know, we are in the end times since the resurrection, theologically speaking. I, listen, the economy is not good. It is headed in the right direction. The problem is the right direction heads us to a recession. What can you do about it? Well, don't spin recklessly on the holiday season. Uh Uh-oh. I should be preaching that one to me in a mirror. Uh, You need to make sure you are in a position to take care of your loved ones. And you know, a year and a half ago, two years ago, I was telling people, this is time. Go get a new job. If you're unhappy, get a new job. Get a new job. Uh, now hold on to your current job and work like hell so you stand out. So if layoffs come, uh, you're good. Uh, you know, I'm looking at the market right now. The Dow has now crossed down to uh, down 14 points from where it had been. Interestingly enough, it had started about 700 points skyrocketing. 
And now as reality dawns, but not just reality dawns, also people are taking their money out of the stock market with the soaring Dow this morning. It's now crossed over into negative territory. It will probably rebound today. The New York Stock Exchange composite is up. The S&P 500 is up. The NASDAQ is up. The Dow is barely down. But on the horizon, a recession looms. There's no technical sign right now of a recession. I, I know it's two quarters of negative growth equal a recession, and we had that, but then the next quarter showed growth. But I wouldn't get too excited here. I would be cautious. The Fed is going to continue to raise interest rates. And in so raising those interest rates, they're going to slow down our economy. And in slowing down our economy, they're going to provoke a recession. And we should not trust the bureaucrats and the gear turners and the switch flippers to be able to soften a recession in the way they want. We should not have our have faith in the experts and the prognosticators and the bureaucrats to be able to do what they claim they can do. They know how to trigger a recession. I don't know that they know how to soften the landing. The good news, however, the good news for you, if you have a 401k and the like, is that uh, the markets right now seem a little happy. And that can at least make you breathe a little easier. And with the stock market the way it is, you may be able to pull out some stock and get some gains on some of your stocks. But overall, things have trended down. Over the last year, things have trended down. The one silver lining, the one silver lining that doesn't get talked about enough is in Washington, D.C., starting January 3rd, regardless of who the Republicans put up for Speaker of the House, there will be gridlock. Gridlock is a feature, not a bug. Gridlock makes it hard for Washington to do anything. And gridlock is good for the markets and the economy because the Democrats and Republicans both like to cash in on you. And it's harder for them to do so when there's gridlock in Washington, D.C. So your silver lining of the day, despite inflation still being higher than it should be, is that next year nothing can get done in Washington and nothing is actually a good thing. A friend of mine and I were discussing bowl and branch sheets the other night when he was sitting on the front porch with me and he didn't believe that they got softer and softer every time you wash them. His wife was not convinced at all. She figured it was all marketing hype. Now she wants bowl and branch sheets for all of their beds at home. Why? Because they really do get softer every time you wash them. They're free of toxins, pesticides, harsh chemicals at every step of the process. They're the finest 100% organic cotton on earth. They're made by artisans who earn the pay and the respect they deserve. And right now you can bring home a better night's sleep this holiday season with Bowl and Branch bedding. Their signature sheets even come wrapped and ready in a beautiful holiday gift box. It's going to look good. It's going to feel great. For a limited time, get 20% off your first set of sheets and free shipping when you use promo code Eric at BowlandBranch.com. That's BowlandBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. Promo code is Eric, E-R-I-C-K at BowlandBranch.com. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. Glad to have you with me. I have to part ways with some friends of mine. Uh, I read in the, I think, Reason Magazine and others, Brad Raffensperger, the Georgia Secretary of State, 
intends to bring ranked choice voting to the state legislature in Georgia to try to get rid of runoffs. This is a terrible idea that nerds love. And many of the people, not all, but many of the people who support this are the same people who supported the idea of Georgia entering a coalition to tie uh, its electoral college to the nationwide popular vote. That only died because of the 2016 presidential election. Now, some of the ones who support it were very opposed to it. They've made sure I know they were opposed. They're nerds. They're all nerds. Uh, and it is a terrible idea. Here's why ranked choice voting is a terrible idea. Let me explain this one to you first. The way ranked choice voting goes is instead of voting for a candidate, you've got, got a, a list of candidates on the ballot, candidate A, B, C, D, E, and F. Instead of saying, I like candidate E and moving on, no, no. Now you must say, I like candidate E, but my second choice is candidate B. My third choice is candidate A. My next choice is candidate C. My next choice is candidate D. My next case is candidate F. Or you just go candidate E and then you go candidate C and you leave it done. You list your first one and your second preference. It depends on where you live, how they rank them. And then they spend all sorts of glorious amounts of time counting, well, okay, uh, E didn't get enough, but C got enough, so we're going to get E aside, and now let's see how C stacks up. Oh, C didn't get enough. Let, let, we got to get rid of C now, and let's let's see. Did a, uh, 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 F is the winner. F is the winner. No. This is what they want to bring to Georgia. This is what they want to bring to Georgia. They're trying to do it not just in Georgia, but nationwide because they, oh, it'll be so much more efficient. All these people, they're Georgia tech engineers. They're nerds. They want efficiency in the process. Here's, here's the dirty little secret of American government. It is not supposed to be efficient. Yes. Do we spend money on runoffs? Yes. Do we drag it out for a month? Yes. Are you ready for the erectile dysfunction ads to come back and you're stuck with the campaign edge? Yes. It is an inefficient system done because people are stupid. And you're introducing new complexities to a system where stupid people go vote and don't know what the hell they're doing and who the candidates are already. And you expect them to pick between two people they don't even know. One of the dirty little secrets is a lot of the people who support ranked choice voting think that it eliminates the passions of the conservative right and the progressive left, and you get rid of the you'd get rid of the Marjorie Taylor Greens and the like. It's a closet way to get rid of what they consider extremist candidates in some cases. It's a terrible idea. It is a very bad idea. It is done in places like Maine, Alaska, and New York City. That should tell you everything you need to know about why we don't need to do it here or anywhere else. If you don't like the runoff, get rid of the runoff. But I would submit to you that actually the runoff as painful as it may be to go through, serves a purpose of allowing people to see clearly between two candidates and their differences in a way that ranked choice voting doesn't. And I would tell my legislature here in Georgia and all the others nationwide that are considering it, it's a terrible idea. An election is not supposed to be an efficient process. An election is supposed to be a slow down process where the voters get to learn about the candidates and discern the final two they want to choose from. And you should allow them to do that, even though it takes more time and costs money. 
You should keep the inefficiencies, otherwise you're just going to breed a brand new layer of complexity and conspiracies to the system. I want to tell you guys a little about a group I've been working with, Americans for Prosperity. Maybe you've heard of them. They're the largest grassroots network in the country, fighting to expand freedom and opportunity so that we can unleash prosperity in America again. Here's what I like about Americans for Prosperity. They focus on building movements at the community level, not Washington, D.C. That's actually how I first came to know them, in Georgia, helping rise up the Tea Party movement in 2010. They understand we're not going to find solutions in Washington. we got to take power out of Washington. That's going to have to come from Americans like you outside the Beltway bubble. That's why I'm excited to partner with Americans for Prosperity to provide an effective platform where we can talk to our fellow Americans and advocate for solutions to the most critical challenges facing the country. I encourage you to learn more about Americans for Prosperity by going to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Well, thankfully, I've during commercial break, got enough text messages from members of my state legislature that I assume ranked choice voting is dead on arrival. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Y'all, it's just, a, it's a, it's such a com, con, convoluted idea. Listen, God bless my friends who support it. It's just not a good idea. Um, but I understand if you're like a, an engineer, you're, you're all about adding efficiencies to systems. Can I just, as an aside, you know what? I'm going to go off the beaten path here for just a moment. I guess I should open the call screening program. I want to go off the beaten path here for just a moment before even I get into any sort of phone calls. Just be patient with me. The phone number, if you want to call in, 877-973-7425. In our fast-paced world, our hard-charging world. A lot of people wish to bring efficiencies to the processes of government that exist in the private sector, whether it's ranked choice voting in elections or expedited review processes for legislation or leadership uh, fiats on the language of legislation uh, to be then brought to the floor for votes, the debate process in the United States Senate, all these things. In our fast-paced, hard-charging world, there are always people who look at these things and say it could be, should be better, faster, more efficient. The reality is government should not be that efficient. For a very long time, I bought into the idea we should run government like a business, except uh, if we ran government like a business, it would need to bring in money, it would need to balance its budget, it would need to bring efficiencies, and then it would go bankrupt. Uh, at the end of the day, the run government like a business analogy only goes so far because at the end of the day, government is not a business, government is government. It is a system that is based on the will of the people in this country, at least, and those people's money. And the government doesn't go bankrupt, it takes more of our money. We should all be, we should be about where government operates in a quasi-business capacity, bringing in the efficiencies of business. But when government operates as government, we should make it as slow as possible. The only exception, I think, being regulatory review. Regulatory review, particularly when it comes to private uh, landowners and what they do with their property, should be more efficient because that drives up the costs overall in the society of doing business and drives up the cost of property and the like. 
But we shouldn't be introducing efficiencies into debate. Gridlock is actually a good thing. I know some people disagree with this, but gridlock is actually good. Gridlock that slows down government taking rights away from us or presuming to give us rights that government itself is not the originator of, the creator, according to our Declaration of Independence, is, we should be a little bit alarmed at the fast pace of government. It's one reason when it comes to these challenges to Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House, there are things I wish the House Republicans would do and that everyone would embrace, one of which is stop doing top-down legislation. Allow it to go through the process. Allow it to be put to the paces. Allow it to be reviewed. There is no reason for anyone in Congress, barring random exception for war and natural disaster, to rush legislation to the floor of the House and the Senate. Slow the process down. When you slow the process down, you improve the process because you provide transparency. You allow more people to pick over the bones of the legislation and find the problems with it or the good things with it and you prevent the spread of conspiracies. I do believe one of the reasons we're in the world we're in with conspiracy thinking these days is because things move so fast people can't keep up with it, which allows malcontented grifters to sell people a package of lies that look like the truth because no one has time to keep up. So they have to rely on other people to tell them what's going on and there are a lot of malcontented grifter souls who make a lot of money by telling people a lot of nonsense. Slow it down. Stop trying to bring efficiencies to systems designed to be inefficient. Our founders thought gridlock was good. Our founders were far wiser than we are now about the state of mankind. Because unlike you and me, we have not fled the musket fire and cannons of the British redcoats, all in defense of an idea called America. We live in the system those men gave us. It wasn't perfect and it had its flaws, but it was far better in many ways than a lot of the current thinking around what a government should be, consist of, and do. And one of the things our founders realized is the nature of man. They had a very hard view of mankind. You know, people these days talk about the good in people. Oh, there's good in everyone. No, we live in a fallen world. Mankind is not good. We all deserve hellfire. The only people who don't get hellfire are the ones who embrace their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Every single other person going to hell. All of us deserve it. Some of us are spared by God's own grace. Mankind is a full of sinners. We're not good people. None of us. We're all fallen. And when you have a bunch of sinners in charge, you should want as few in charge of you as possible. I mean, I'm a conservative because I'm a Christian. I know we're all a bunch of sinners, and I want as few in charge of me as possible. That's why I like small government. You should like small government too. The fewer sinners in charge of you, the better. And when sinners are in charge of you, the more efficient it is for them to get anything done, the better for you and your freedom. Slow everything down. Stop trying to fix the system and make it more efficient and speed things up. That's good in business. That's good in the private sector 
faster. It is really terrible in government because when you speed up the processes of government, one, what you're doing is you're speeding up the ability of stupid people to get things done, and two, you're speeding up the ability of government to take away your rights or raise your taxes. Stop trying to bring efficiencies to the operations of government outside the regulatory process where it has a direct impact on the lives of others beyond Congress. When you're in Congress and we're in voting, slow it down. Allow things to breathe. I don't support Kevin McCarthy for Speaker of the House. I don't have a vote in the matter. But I think they can do better. In the processes of getting it done, however, I would say if he would go a long way towards offering up a committee to study the problems with the FBI and the national security apparatus and the politicization of the same. And I think he could probably ensure that the conservatives who have wavered on him would vote for him if he offered some simple things. One, no top-down legislative approaches. Let everything go through the committees, work the process there, have things originate with individual members, go through the entire legislative process, allow members of Congress to be legislators instead of turning them over to be pundits on Fox and MSNBC, make them actually work instead of leadership drafting everything for everyone. Two, allow everyone a 72-hour review period of all the legislation. Slow it down so people actually get to read the legislation and make amendments. Allow the process to work again. You want a more stable, less fractious House of Representatives now? Don't do the top-down leadership-driven approach that's been done for the last 20 years. Go back to allowing the House of Representatives to be the House of Representatives where the individual members, chairmen of committees and the like, actually write the legislation, vet the legislation, refer the legislation, amend the legislation, and get it to the floor. So you build a coalition where neither you nor I get everything we want, but we get most of what we want in a process that everyone understands. You also would cut out the process, the conspiracies, and the grifters. Transparency is good. Efficiency is bad when it comes to government. That's all I'm saying. Now, I will take a phone call. 877-973-7425. Alan, you're up first. Welcome to the show, Alan. Uh, thanks, Eric. I really um, like your show. I appreciate your intellect. And uh, anyway, I'll get straight to my um, comment or question. Uh, long time, I guess it's been, I haven't heard it, is trickle-down economics. The Democrats, I believe, used to hate that when we would say, you know, the Republicans, of course, you know, hey, if you lower the taxes to the rich, to the businesses, it trickles down to the poor people, which obviously I believe it does. This is the same thing, trickle-down economics with Biden. He raises, inter I mean, he raises um, taxes for the rich. He does all those things he's doing now, as you have mentioned earlier. And guess what's going to happen? It's going to trickle down to the uh, the working class, to the people that pretty soon there won't be jobs. You know, it's all going to trickle down. I think the economy is just going to tank pretty bad if, if things don't change. And I was really praying yeah, for this uh, election that it would change. But anyway, go I, ahead. I'm no, no, no. Look, I, I think you're right. So it was George H.W. Bush, when he ran against Ronald Reagan, yeah. referred to it first as voodoo economics and then referred to it as trickle-down economics. It was actually George H.W. Bush running against Reagan who did those things, and the Democrats embraced the terminology and carried it over. Okay. But it actually yeah. makes a lot of sense that if you – and, you know, we saw this, for example, when uh, Donald Trump and the Republicans cut corporate taxes – most corporations in this country either increased employee pay or gave them one-time bonuses and lowered prices because 
they did not have to pay as much in tax. And so instead of rewarding the shareholders, they rewarded the consumer and the employee. And it trickled down. It lowered prices for everyone and gave people more income to be able to spend. When Democrats raise taxes on corporations, what do corporations do? They cut hiring. They increase prices. They do all of these things that trickle down to you and me. Uh, the economy has always trickled down. It functions very much like water dropping on top of a pyramid. It runs down and spreads out further over time. And the Democrats, they can buy into their rhetoric and their sloganeering, but the reality is these things do trickle down. Alan, I appreciate the, the comment. And yeah, when when Joe Biden raises taxes on the rich, ultimately that has a spillover effect on all of us. What at this point I would argue is that we need to rethink our tax code overall and our regulatory structure overall. I don't know that we need lower tax rates. I wouldn't be opposed to a lower tax rate. Wouldn't be opposed to it at all. Concurrent to all of that, though, uh, I do not know that we need the tax code as complex as it is. You can lower the tax rate to 25%, and the complexities of the tax code still add a cost to the tax code. And I think we need to probably sit down as a nation and have a conversation about what should our tax code look like. There will be those who believe the tax code should be used to curb or change our behaviors. We see that with the left and the incentives they give in the tax code for electric cars and and things like that. Uh, But I personally think the tax code should be about funding the government and not changing our lifestyles. The tax code should be 100% about funding the U.S. government, not about providing you and me incentives to live our lives in a certain way. To the extent that the Congress uses the tax code to do that, we should upend that and simplify the processes. And by the way, there would be a a tremendous amount of savings if we simplified the tax code, and that savings would roll over into the economy. Here's what I personally have a personal belief on, and that is that you can tell the tax code is a bad idea when there are so many industries that have sprung up around the tax code uh, from the, the, the overnight uh, tax assessor, tax advisory groups, the let me help you do your taxes groups, uh, the, the, uh, a realm of, of accountants and the like. We're always going to have accountants and things like that. But the fact that we have so many now who specialize in the getting the maximum efficiency out of the tax code suggests that we have a tax code that is solely existent at this point to keep some people in jobs. And that's not the reason for the tax code. The tax code should be about funding the government, not about keeping people employed to navigate an overly complex system. There is a part of government where efficiency would be a good thing. Now, it's very efficient for you if you go to EdenPureDeals.com and put Eric3 in as your discount code on the front side page of the site, EdenPureDeals.com. I keep getting questions about this, and, and let me clarify again. It's Eden like the Garden of Eden. Pure, like pure is the driven snow, P-U-R-E, EdenPureDeals.com. And when you go there, you're greeted with a discount code box on the very front of the website. And you put in E-R-I-C-K, the number three, no space, E-R-I-C-K three. You don't spell out three. You use the number three, Eric three, and you'll get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms for less than $200. One for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for your RV or your suitcase, your travel bag, like I do. It wipes out bad odors. Do you have a litter box? Put one of these where your litter box is. Fire it up overnight. It wipes out the odors. Uh, put one in your car. Uh, if it, if somebody's been smoking in your car, you get a rental car, there, it has strong odors. Uh, you can use a USB cord, fire it up, walk away from the car, close up the car, walk away. 15 minutes later, come back, you're taken care of. Hotel room, same thing. Fire it up, 
leave the hotel room for a little while, let it do its thing, come back, and it works. It also gets rid of the pollen, the dust, all that sort of stuff. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm really works to eliminate bad odors, pet odors, litter box odors, smoke odors, cooking odors, musty odors, you name it. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC3. You'll get three of them for less than $200. You'll save $200. You'll get free shipping at EdenPureDeals.com. Welcome back. Don't forget, if you do text ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777, click that top link, subscribe to the email. Uh, You can get a lot of the content of it for free. Some of it is paid. The more detailed stuff is paid, and you get the great discount for next year's conference. Um, We obviously are reaching out to Tim Scott to be there, Ted Budd from North Carolina, Ron DeSantis, Mike Pence, Brian Kemp, Nikki Haley, a whole lot more. Um, just text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. Um, be a subscriber to my daily email. You're helping us grow nationwide. You're getting lots of information you wouldn't get anywhere else. I want to talk about some of that. Uh, my post right up when we come back. Um, and we'll take phone calls as well, 877-973-7425. Right now, I, I got I to gotta talk very briefly about Twitter because I find it very interesting something's happening. Allegedly, the former head of safety or some such at Twitter has had to flee his home uh, because Elon Musk is agitated against him in some capacity. Uh, There are a lot of sympathetic stories in the media uh, about him. Uh, Essentially, The guy played a starring role in getting Trump banned from Twitter, among other things. He's a pretty progressive guy. And he said some pretty outlandish things himself on Twitter that have now recirculated. Uh, They're old things. Uh, I don't think he was serious about them. But, of course, you know, people have used Twitter for years to cancel people based on things they said years ago on Twitter. Um, my thing here is that there's clearly a coordinated PR effort against Elon Musk right now and his handling of Twitter. And the media is sympathetic to that PR campaign because the media feels like Elon Musk has destroyed their playground. I've got to tell you, for a number of years when the left was running Twitter and conservatives were getting banned for stupid things they shouldn't have been banned for. People were like, up, oh, I'm going to Parlor, I'm going to Gab, I'm going to True Social, find me there, I'm never coming back, and then they always came back. Now you've got a bunch of people on the left going to someplace called Mastodon, uh, which is their version of it, and they're not actually going away. In fact, they're coming back to Twitter to tell you what they're talking about on Mastodon, same as the right did. I mean, you have people coming to Twitter to share screenshots of Trump on True Social. No one's really leaving the hell site, even though we all should. Uh, If it went belly up tomorrow, we would miss the interactions back and forth with some of us. But by and large, uh, it's a site that I think has made society worse, even as we're stuck on it. I feel obligated to use it because of work. And when you write a book these days, they want to know how many Twitter followers you have. But also, we should recognize the double standard. None of these people outraged about this Twitter uh, safety guy, former Twitter safety guy fleeing his home were really that outraged when protesters were showing up at Supreme Court justices' houses or when the lady who runs the Libs of TikTok account had her information disclosed on the site. Nobody's really outraged about that. They're outraged about this. So many reporters have been exposed as the progressive hacks we always knew them to be because of Twitter. And they're biased now against Elon Musk because they say he's ruined their plaything. But here's the thing. 
I don't really see any differences on Twitter between now and before. They all claim their differences. No, they're not. Conservatives said the same thing for a long time. There were never differences. It's always been a hell site. But the things they complain about, nothing's really changed except they don't control it anymore.